can't even think what it's called off the top of my head, but is it an export grant? And I'm sure we could add to the show notes if you wanted to do that. Uh, but it's phenomenal. So the Australian government will pay you back 50% of your spend at a certain cap. So I applied for that through the grant writer, which is phenomenal. I think they've got pretty much a guarantee that you know, you'll get something back. G'day, I'm Lockie and welcome to D2C Slingshot, a podcast where we interview brand founders and industry experts to help you out on your own journey. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the D2C Slingshot podcast. Today, I'm joined with Aisha, uh, the owner of Full Bum Swimwear. Just want to give yourself a quick introduction. Hi, I'm Aisha. Yes, I am the owner of Full Bum Swimwear and we're nearly two years old. So still a fresh young business, but definitely going places. Yeah, for sure. And what inspired you to start this business? Look, my husband and I have ran a couple of businesses and, um, you know, nothing that really excited me or kind of got me going. Kept I wanted a business that kept me up at night, inspired, you know, wanting to get up in the morning. And so I was just kind of, it, to be honest, it started as a joke. We'd moved to the Gold Coast and you know on the beach noticing that there was a trend of you know the cheeky or the medium style bikini and at the time I had a preteen, and so didn't really want her to have that as her only option and so it just started as a joke one day I'm going to start a swimwear brand I'm going to call it full bumps yeah and I had a couple of friends go this is a great idea and I was like no I'm just mucking around I've got enough on my plate I'm you know I'm busy running you know, other businesses with my husband and, and, you know, this kind of went on for a couple of months where yeah. I would just make a joke. People would say you should do that. And so I actually one day just did a rant on social media about the lack of finding a full bum coverage in, um, in swimwear in main shops, that a lot of them were moving to a, a cheeky and, and media G string style. And obviously that doesn't suit every age, every shape, every woman. And so I got so much feedback that I realized I was onto something. And so that's when I did some research and realized there was a real hole in this market and a real it was a real niche. And so I thought, let's do it, let's give it a go. So we took some money out of our other business to, to fund it. And within 24 hours of launching, I knew I was onto something. And I was already restocking, I was already reordering some sizes and it's just gone on that trajectory since. Yeah, that's super powerful. Uh, is that just friends and family buying and you sold out because it was limited quantity or did you like um, blow up on TikTok or something like that? Or Yeah, so that no, it didn't blow up on TikTok and it, no, it wasn't friends and family. Um, I mean, there were a few friends and family in there that did purchase, but probably, um, you know, from the time I conceived the idea to the time I launched was a good 12 months. And so when I decided to give it a go and start the research of finding manufacturers, I started an Instagram page and I had no product. I didn't even know what the product was going to look like. I just had a bit of a dream. So all I did was I just started posting pictures of the Australian coastline, iconic photos, and I just started talking about what I was creating. I just started talking about holidays. I built a bit of a following there. I remember on at the at the first photo shoot, I clicked over 300 followers and I was so excited about that because I didn't know where these 300 followers had come from. They, you know, so I built up this anticipation of what was coming. And I think the day that the models put the swimmers on, I was like, okay, this is actually really good. 
And it's just gone from there. So I yeah, wasn't friends and family. I did buy limited stock. So I only had a couple of every size when I started just to see how it went, just to test the market. And um, now I'm obviously buying a lot more of every size and I'm still restocking because my orders are still on the, you know, like a smaller size just to test each. When I bring out a new style, I just do a smaller range just to test it out, see if it's liked by more people than just me. And, and then I go big after that. So, yeah. So, yep, I have used influencers. After I launched, I, I reached out to a heap of influencers and that was me just scrolling for hours trying to find women in my niche market. You know, I think I'm really hitting that 30 to 60-year-old woman. And so I had to find influencers. And I just talked about the story. I'm a brand-new startup. This is, you know, this is fresh. This is new. This is what I'm wanting to achieve. And so many influencers were just like, send us your stuff. We'd love to try it out. Um, I had one particular influencer who their marketing rep got back to me and gave me their price. And I was like, I can't afford this. I've got, you know, there is no money to afford that. So I just went back and said, hey, I appreciate that this is your cost, but um, I'm just going to put it on the back burner. I don't have that money. And she replied to me directly and said, look, I love what you, you're starting. I love what you're doing. So I'm going to do it for, I think it was like nearly 80% cheaper than what she'd originally quoted. And the day that she put stuff on, on um, socials was the day I was actually on a holiday with my husband celebrating 20 years. And all of a sudden, you know, that Shopify, the old yeah. fashioned ding, it started going crazy. And I was like, what is going on? I didn't realize she'd uploaded. And that was a key moment in the launch. So I started in September 21. She did it in October. And honestly, she was the lynch. That, that was the thing, the needle that got me moving. And I've just built relationship with her since. You know, she had a baby. I sent her flowers. I think so many times with influencers, we just treat it very transactional and not yeah. relationship. And I think sometimes if we start with a micro influencer, one day they might be a huge influencer. And if we've built relationship with them, we'll still be with them on that journey. And so that's where I am with her, that I've sent her swimwear and I haven't received an invoice for her showcasing the swimwear because she generally loves it. So I think that's been a key point with, you know, growing the business as well. Yeah, nice. And so many people ha have been burnt by influencers, like they just didn't yeah. get the sales that they thought or anticipated they were going to get. Have you had that experience as well? Yeah, definitely. Because I think you've got to try it out. Sometimes you think that maybe they've got a large following. So you think they've got a great engagement. Um, but sometimes it's just not your niche. It's not the right thing. There's too many tire kickers. And so, yeah, I've experienced that where I thought this influencer is going to be great. And what they posted, you could tell that they didn't love what they were creating yeah. or what they were wearing. And that's okay. I know every brand is not for everybody. And so I'm going to attract people that, or influencers that other brands aren't going to attract. And that's okay. So yes, I've had some fails in that area too. And one of them in particular was an overseas person and I was sending it to Italy. So then I got lumped with the costs of obviously sending it to Italy, then their taxes, because they didn't want to pay, you know, all yeah. their taxes there. So that cost me more. It was a really, I mean, the photos were beautiful, 
it was so nice to see my swimwear in Italy, but it didn't, it didn't translate as in, um, she looked gorgeous. It just wasn't my target market. Yeah. She wasn't my target market. And I learned from that experience and that did cost me a bit of money. Yeah. That's unfortunate, but I feel yeah, like everybody has that story and you've got to go they through totally it to do. get out the other side. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. you know, in early days of business, you're not going to get everything right. It is a little bit of working it out, working out, uh, what you think might be your target audience or your avatar in business might not be it as you start growing and developing. And, yeah. you know, like I had a plan to reach, uh, preteens and teenagers and I still do, but. I've had to pull back on that and realize I've just got to focus on that 30 to 60 year old woman to begin with. I do still size for young girls, but I'm not reaching that like I thought I would straight away, but it's definitely in the pipeline for down the track. Yeah. You stole my next question that I had. Oh. So obviously <laughs> you built the swimwear or the first models based mm -hmm. off your daughter, but then yeah. like was all your marketing surrounding that by a persona in the start or did you also know that sort of that 30 plus market would be attracted to it as well yeah look i didn't start um advertising it to for a preteen because i don't have money um i did advertise it to a mum you know like me who i am and so you know my target market was definitely um the mum who is not particularly in front of the mirror in her bikinis taking a selfie photo uh you know so that's where i've had to work really hard on getting user generated content just because it's not my i don't i'm not attracting the young 20 year olds with the g-strings and that's that's fine that's you know i just had to work harder there so no i wasn't aiming at the preteen to begin with yeah. um i have done a few photo shoots with my teenage daughter and her friends just so that mum's on there when, when they were looking for themselves, they could actually see something for their teenage daughter as well. Yeah. So it is in my messaging, but not as strong. Yeah. So anybody at home that's listening and sort of doesn't know what we're really talking about at the moment, do you just want to describe your bikini? It's kind of in the name, but just describe what it actually yeah. does and some of the USPs around it. Yeah. So uh, full bum swimwear. So it's not for a bigger bottom. It's for any size bottom but it's just a full coverage, meaning that it's not um, a media, it's basically covering your butt cheeks. That's where I'm aiming to be at. And, um, you know, I'm worldwide now, so that's super exciting. And I think there was a real hole in that market of women not being able to find the swimwear that covered their bottom in the market. And I haven't been, uh, part of our brand is we are not anti a g-string or a cheeky we're just a great alternative for women that are wanting that more coverage yeah for sure great explanation and what about some of the usps that you're using within your marketing like do you have any special material or is it just like the full bum coverage that everybody is attracting to yeah it's definitely the full bum coverage um i a lot of my messaging is about body confidence as well um, I get so much feedback from women. I get handwritten notes, which is pretty amazing, <laughs> but I get handwritten notes from women and emails, um, just thanking me for creating swimwear that, you know, for women who never thought they'd wear a bikini again. Um, I even received an email from a husband who, 
said that they've just got home from their family holiday and it was the best holiday that it ever had. His wife was out there swimming in the ocean, playing with the kids, and typically she'd hide back in the tent. Yeah. And for her, well, he, he put it down to her feeling confident and really comfortable in a swimwear. And so that's why he reached out and thanked me for creating it. So, cause it changed his family holiday for him. So that was amazing. So yes, my marketing is around the full bum coverage. Uh, it's also about around, you know, having that confidence that just because this is the trend, you don't have to wear the trend. We're creating an option that you can still look great. Yeah, for sure. And obviously you're helping so many women with their confidence and self-belief and that sort of thing. Did you have that self-belief when you started your business because of your previous experience or was it still a scary step jumping into e-commerce? Um, oh, I don't think, it doesn't matter how confident you are, there's still a scary element to it. And by nature, my personality is a jump in and sort it out afterwards. Yeah. Um, I'm not a work it all out and then jump in. Uh, so I jumped in, so we've run businesses, but we had bought established businesses and then grown them. This was our first startup. So that's a completely different kettle of fish from an established business that we just made better. Um, so I had a lot to learn and I was learning everything from manufacturing, getting it across here to customer service, which obviously we'd used in our other businesses, but branding, Shopify, influencers, you know, like I am the one-stop shop for everything for my business, um, which is exciting because as of next week, I won't be the only person in my business. I've just employed uh, a team. So that's really exciting. But yeah, I had to learn a lot and I'm still learning. I'm still YouTubing and I'm still Googling everything and I'm still part of, uh, you know, other business groups where I can bounce off ideas. And there's a saying, you don't know what you don't know. And so I've been on that journey of learning a lot of things I didn't know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, YouTube is so good. That's where I learned yes. all my skills four years ago. And then I invested into higher courses, like paid courses and things like that. Yeah. Have you done similar? Yeah, I have. So um, November last year, I realized that I was on a trajectory of incredible growth and and I was kind of winging it up until that point. So I'd done 12 months of winging it and just a bit of like intuition of what I felt was right. But then I was like, okay, if I'm going to take this beyond what it is now, then I need a bit of extra help. I need someone to, to come alongside me or a team. And I think when you work from home and you're in a home office by yourself, it's just good to have other people to talk to, even yeah. if it's just in a Facebook group. So I think that's been hugely important. That's helped me really leverage and work out what to keep focusing on to keep moving the needle. Because sometimes you can do things that are easy and fun, but they're not creating sales. And at the end of the day, you want those conversions. Yeah. And what are some of those things that you focus on during the day? Like what's your typical day look like at the moment to move the needle? Yeah. I mean, as of, you know, the, the summer just gone was crazy because I was all things. I was marketing and then I was packing in the warehouse. Um, and we just decided we could not do that again. I can't work on the business and in the business at the same time. Uh, so we've employed for that. So no longer will I have to pack orders or do customer service, which is incredible. So general day-to-day -day is I spend a lot of time looking over my Facebook ads and things I'm doing there, making sure that what I'm paying for is actually give me the results I want. Um, email mark Currently, email marketing is what I'm doing a big overhaul on. 
I've got mm-hmm. lots of flows set up, but I'm just uh, re, they're all just you're kind of basic. I'm just really going to build them out. Um, obviously, I'm seasonal at the moment. And so this is my quiet season, but as of next month, I'm going to hit the ground really running. So I wanted to build out my email flows so that anything I pick up or anyone that adds to the email list, I'm nurturing them ready for when all my stock arrives back in. Yeah. Were you um, using like just the standard templates that Shopify provide or are you currently using Klaviyo and just expanding that out more or yeah. what's that so look, look like? Yeah, I did use the Shopify one to begin with and I just hated the lack of functionality that it really did have. It was very um, basic. Yeah. So I moved across to Klaviyo, I think probably October, November last year. And that has been incredible. I think I'm sitting at about 30 to 40% of my sales do come from my email marketing, which is great and um, wanting to keep keep that going. Uh, yeah, so I did get someone to create the template for me and yep. I'm just about to redo them again because I've just kind of, um, I'm niching out my brand look, you know, when you start, you kind of like whatever font looks good. Canva, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that looks good. You just yeah. do it. And now I'm like, okay, I've got to create a bit of consistency here. Uh, yeah. So I'm just reworking all that at the moment. But yeah, all the Clavio templates I've been using have been fantastic. Yeah. And so I de- easy to use. Yeah, for sure. I definitely went yeah. through that in the beginning as well. I think I've gone through about like four or five different logo changes, especially like yeah. in the beginning, there was probably like three in like six months, yes. uh, which which is really frustrating because you do want to start out consistent. But obviously, if you're bootstrapping, you don't have that cash to go splash $10,000 on a logo, no. for example. So yeah, uh, totally. the Canva ones, you, like after you've been around for a while, you start to see like very similar logos and you're like, yes. yeah, they've just done that in yeah. Canva and that <laughs> put, yeah. put much effort into it. But yeah, that's yes. what you need to do in the beginning. And then once you find yeah, that right. money to invest in proper branding, which I yeah. think will really help you out. Yeah, totally. I mean, the advantage is my brother's a graphic designer. So oh, straight yeah. up, I had the the logo, that kind of thing. And he just kills, he, every time he sees me do something random, he's just like, you're killing me please <laughs> get some consistency. So yeah, working on all that at the moment and email list building, I think in quiet seasons, um, yes, have a little bit of a break, have a relax, but that should be when you're building your email list. So I've been working really hard at lead generation at the moment so that my um, email list is, you know, a great size. So when all my new releases, I can just, I'm getting it out to a, a warmer crowd yeah and is that what most of your attention's been on throughout the winter months or have you been uh just selling in queensland or like what are you trying to do to combat that seasonality in australia yeah i mean it's a funny uh, misconception that most of my sales come from queensland victoria is actually my biggest um base of where i get the most sales from in australia which is all those Victorians trying to escape the cold weather. So, yes, I do get a lot of sales still in winter, Um, obviously not like summer. Um, And to combat the seasonal aspect of the business, I've really been focusing on for next summer, I'm launching into the US. So at the moment I do sell worldwide, but next year I'm going to be having a 3PL in the US. I'm going to spend a bit of time over there myself I'm moving to US influencers, um, creating a market within Shopify for the US. So it's going to feel like it's really, it's 
it's nearly like I'm starting again in the US next year, just to hit that a bit harder with Canada. Yeah. And I'm yeah. sure that's a scary move for you as well. What pushed you yeah. to do that? Look, I can't run a business that's just seasonal. And otherwise, you know, you're making great money for six months of the year, but it's not really great over the span of the year. So I, yeah, I did want to go into the US. I wanted a business that is 24 seven, seven days a week, all year round. And so I applied for Australia do the export grants. So I applied yeah. for one of them and uh, received that. So that's why I didn't do it this, because obviously they're in summer at the moment. I didn't do it for this summer. I just kept, um, I've increased Facebook ads and things like that, but not, not extreme yet. But as of kind of our January, February, January, February, which is coming to the end of our summer, but moving into their spring, I'm going to be, you know, changing my focus there. Yeah, cool. The do US, you just so. for those business owners out there, do you just want to touch on that export grant quickly? Yeah, I can't even think what it's called off the top of my head, but is it e? Um, anyway, it's an export grant, and uh, there's. I'm sure we could add to the show notes if you wanted to do that, uh, but it's phenomenal. So the Australian government will pay you back 50% of your spend at a certain cap. So I applied for that um, through the grant writer, which is phenomenal. I think they've got pretty much a guarantee that, you know, you'll get something back. And so it gave me a great budget to start with for the U for the US. So you do have to spend it before you get it back. Um, so say if um, you, you say to them, I'm going to spend 100000 and they agree that they're going to give you back 50000 you've actually got to spend the 100 before you give, they give you back the 50 yeah. with a quick audit before they do that. But it's phenomenal. It's great to be part of this nation that they're, you know, investing in small business. Yeah, and I've handled accounts that has their hands on that export grant and it's just so different advertising with that budget because like yeah. you're looking at the Australian results and you're like, this because that's where the business started, the Australian results are really strong. And then you go over to the US, they're half as good. You're trying to enter a new market, it's really hard. The cost per purchase is like twice as high as Australia, but then yeah. the, that business is happy to spend that money because they know over time, Brandon went to go to grow. But that yes. uh, discount is going to come back your way as well. So yeah, yeah. it just makes it yeah. so much better. And that break-even ROAS just drops. And totally. So yeah, it's a huge thing to be able to launch and have that money coming back. It sets you up for your next season as well. Yeah, yeah. cool. Now, you touched on um, not allowing your business to become your identity. Do you want to expand on that? Yeah. So I think um, for so many uh I think men and women, but probably in the, you know, I'm dealing with probably a lot more women is that you, their, their business does really become who they are and everything about them. Um, I am not my business. It's what I do. It's not who I am. I could walk away tomorrow for the sake of my family. And I think you've got to be in that type of mindset and saying that I love what I do. I do love getting up and doing this every day, even the stressful days. There's something quite rewarding about it. But my identity isn't wrapped up in this. I am who I am regardless of what I do. And I think that's so important for men and women in business. Yes, love what you do, but know that you can walk away and you're still the same person. I think that's so important. Yeah, that's a really good piece of advice. And do you see like a lot of uh, women in business struggling with that concept? And... Yeah, I, I do. I think that for whatever's... Um, I think that their business becomes a, a scapegoat from their reality of life, whether it's a, an unhappy marriage or 
kids that are driving them crazy or, yeah. or whatever. Um, and that, you know, I was recently at a business retreat where one of the women, her business was her divorce plan. And that's why she was running this business, not dealing with the problem at home, but using it as her, her out. And I was like, okay, you know, for me, I'm like, that's sad that um, you've got to the point where the issues haven't been dealt with at home because you're focused too, probably too much on a business. And, you know, I'm hustling, you know, yeah. my husband and I talk about, we've got we've five more years, we wanna hustle really hard. And then whatever our businesses are at then, then we'll keep them, we feel like that's the level we'll kind of keep them at. So I'm still hustling, I'm still working long hours, but it's not my priority, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I think it's important to have sort of that end plan or just a goal in the distant future that you could be working towards. So yeah. you might be in hustle season right now, but then it's got to eventually come to an end or you got to just burn yourself out and absolutely hate your business and everything that you've built yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. So you might put totally. in like, like I go through these seasons as well, where I might work eight to 12 hours per day for a month and a half straight without really taking a break. Like I won't go out for walks like during the day or anything like that, or I won't go to the coffee shop or anything. I'll just sit in yeah. this room all day and hustle, hustle, hustle. And then there would just be a week where everything just compounds and then like I'm burnt for that yes. week. It's like yeah. your brain just turns to mush and you're like, yeah, this is probably totally. where I need to rest and take a yeah. step back for a little bit. Yeah, I think you've got to have the mentality work hard, play hard. And, you know, like we plan great holidays that we can really enjoy what we're doing. And we do realise that the business allows us the flexibility or provides that for us. So, you know, we do work hard. We work long hours, but at the same time, we have a lot of fun. And I think, you know, like you said, you've got to have an out plan. We've said five years and they say, a lot of business people say you've got to have a five-year plan to to sell or you've set it up to sell. You've set up the systems, you've made it sellable so that in five years' time you can pull back and allow team to come in there if you decide not to sell and carry a bit more. Um, I don't want to wait till I'm 60 to retire. Uh, we plan on doing that a decade earlier than that and, um, and living a little bit more dual lifestyle of semi-retirement by then. That's our plan. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. It sounds like a good plan as well. Yeah. Hopefully, it just um, your business just moons and you can do that before 50 yeah. as well. <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. Do you just yeah. want to touch a little bit on what you're doing marketing-wise? So you touched on you're doing Facebook ads at the moment. Are you doing yeah. anything else advertising So, no, Meta Platforms is kind of where I'm at at the moment. I think um, I didn't want to spread myself too thin and just have so many different platforms that I'm not doing them all well. So I know that my audience is on Instagram and yeah. Facebook, and that's that's where they are. Um, I did trial TikTok for a while. That's probably another marketing disaster where I spent a lot of money. Um, I had a US PR company reach out and sell me this amazing, like you gotta get on TikTok, TikTok and, and I was like, oh, I don't know. Anyway, so I spent a lot of money I should have probably done it differently. I will eventually hit TikTok again. Uh, but at the moment, it is Instagram. That's where my audience is. That's where my customers are. And so that's working really well. I'm starting to dabble in Pinterest a little bit as well because I think that's also where my age or the people that are buying, mm -hmm. they are there. 
so just doing a little bit there, but that is my um, focus at the moment is really upping the marketing. So I'm bringing someone else in to help me work on that, to help, you know, just have another set of eyes on the creative of yeah. that as well. Uh, sometimes you could do too much that you don't have the headspace to think creatively and that's where I'm at at the moment. So I'm like, I need to bring in some fresh eyes to help me with creative content and um, yeah, outsourcing that a little bit more. So that's my plan there. And again, working with influencers. Another thing that I've really leveraged last uh, last year was brand ambassadors. Mm -hmm. And I um, put it out on my socials looking for brand ambassadors. And I had 15 of them last year, and that was phenomenal. Uh, like I said before, my target market is that six, our 30 to 60 year old woman. They're not taking UGC themselves. It's just the type of woman I'm attracting is not having a bikini photo done. And, you know, yeah. so I had to work really hard and be really creative on how I got UGC. And so I could easy, it didn't cost me a lot to give someone a free pair of swimmers. And I didn't necessarily look at how many followers they had. I did. Mm -hmm. There was a few that had a good number of followers, but I wanted the UGC. I wanted to get that moving in my business. So I had some that only had a couple of hundred followers, some that had a couple of thousand, some that had, you know, a couple of tens of thousands of followers and gifted them my product. And brand ambassadors have been amazing. I've got um, already spoken to three from last year I'm bringing back. And towards the end of this month, I'll be putting it out for people to apply to be a brand ambassador for the next season. Yeah. And what are you using that content for? Just for your Facebook ads, uh, your socials? Are you using that within yeah. your email marketing, pretty much plastering the it whole everywhere? Lot. Yes. Yeah. So last year, I focused a lot on just getting photos. Um, this year, I'm going to move and aim because I'm, I'm creating my own amazing photos. I don't necessarily need them as much. So yep. I'm going to be focusing on getting reels from them. That's where obviously Instagram is moving or has moved. Um, and I am personally not uh, wanting to be a part of the reels myself. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to be the face of the business. I just don't want to be the, the body of the business. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've, yeah, so I'm going to focus on getting them to do reels for me this this season. Ah, exciting. Well, yeah. yeah, I'm excited to see what comes of that. Uh, obviously, we're running a bit short on time today, but do you want to leave the listeners with any hot takes or just any last thoughts before we wrap up today? Yeah, I think sometimes you've got to trust your own instinct. People will tell you uh, what they think you should do, but you know your own business better than anyone else. And you know your customer better than you should. You should know your business better than anyone else. You should know your customer better than anyone else. And if not, I would spend time getting to know them. But sometimes you just got to jump in and sort out the details afterwards. Too many people spend too many, too much time thinking about a good idea and never do it. Start and then it'll all come to it all come together in the end. So yeah, I think I'm that's my best bit of advice. Just jump in. Yeah, I'm definitely more of an action over perfection guy as well. So Yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah and I think never get into it's, perfect. you know, it's worked well for me so far. So why change the, the method? Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for coming on today. I'm sure the listeners would thanks, have absolutely love this episode. And yeah. Thanks for having me. Well, there you have it. Unfortunately, this is the end of the episode, but if you're looking for more, be sure to find more episodes on the platform you're viewing on or head over to Instagram to find tons of valuable clips.